Hello, thanks for tuning in to the West Side Podcast. This is where we're going to be posting some of the audio from our gatherings on Sundays, and we're hoping to develop some other content that we're excited to share with you in the future. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus, step by step. And we really hope that this podcast helps you do just that. We hope it helps you get closer to Jesus. We hope that you would be reconciled to God and not only that, be reconciled to the relationships around you and to the city that you live in, wherever that happens to be. Again, thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Well, um, hey, starting a new sermon series. And my kind of intro question is, do you ever do something and then after a while you don't remember why you're doing it? A um, little different than when you walk into a room and you, you like forget why you walked into that room. I know that we've all, that happens to all of us, right? Um, uh, for some of us, it happens more than others. Uh, but, but no, I'm talking like, do, do you ever notice you doing something that's like become tradition and you, every once in a while you stop and you say, like, why do... Why do we do that? Like I was thinking, I was thinking, uh, you know, when somebody sneezes, what do you say? God bless you, right? Now you could, we could probably Google it. Like if you Google it, you'll probably find out like why that started and everything. But it, it's just something that we do, right? We just say, somebody, we just say God bless you. But why? why? Why do we say that? I mean, most of us don't even know why we say that. We just say it. And I think all of us, we, we, there's, there's things that can also kind of creep into Christianity where we start to do things but we aren't necessarily sure why we do those things. And it's always, always really good to kind of stop and say, okay, what is this connected to? Why do we do this? And recently at Westside, we decided that we wanted to say the Lord's prayer every time we gather just as a benediction before we leave. And so I thought it would be really great if we took a, we just took a couple weeks, a sermon series, and we just really kind of injected some passion and some vision into our hearts for why in the world would we say the Lord's Prayer? Because saying the Lord's Prayer just to say it is not a good enough reason. <laughs> it's not a good enough reason. There's, there's actually good, good reasons that we say it. And so we wanted to do a sermon series so that we could kind of tap into why we do it. And um, um, I originally wanted to call, I decided to call this sermon series, It's Okay to Pray. And I had the graphic all worked up. It looked really great. And then my wife saw it and she was like, is this what you're calling the sermon series? And I was like, yeah, I kind of like it. It rhymes, you know? And she was like, well, I was actually thinking about the Lord's prayer. And she said, I thought it was so, the cool thing about the Lord's prayer to me is that this is the prayer that Jesus prayed. And that, like, that's so cool to me. Like we get to pray the a prayer that Jesus prayed. And I was like, Ooh, good idea. That's a much better name for the sermon series. And uh, so we're going to be just taking a few weeks just looking at this significant prayer. This prayer, here's what's cool about it. Here's one of the reasons why we say it. It's, this prayer is not a formula. If you're taking notes, just remember, this isn't a formula. This is formational. This prayer isn't just a formula. It's formational. It isn't just like this, these magic words that we're supposed to say, that Jesus gave us these kind of incantation words. And as long as we say it, you know, things happen. That's not what this is about. But there's something that happens that when we, when we pray this prayer, and it's okay to pray other prayers. Jesus wasn't giving us this prayer to just say, hey, this is how you should always pray all the time. But Jesus said, hey, when you pray, why don't you pray like this? And 
what happens is it does something, it forms us. It deeply forms us when we say this prayer. Here's, here's something that I'm sure that you know, but I just want to remind you that you are being formed by all sorts of things. And you might not even know that you're being formed by those things. All of us, all of us are formed deeply by the things that we include into our lives, the things that we do. For some, for some of you, you are being formed by Netflix so much, you know? Um, I'm being formed by all sorts of things that I just give my time to and my life to. And those aren't necessarily things that I want to form and shape my life. And so how cool is it that Jesus said, hey, if, if you want to be formed and there's all these forces at work trying to like, trying to push their way into your life to try to form you, even if you don't want your life to be formed in that direction, what if, what if there's this prayer that if when you, when you just get it in you, you get it in you, it it starts to form you. It transforms you just as we continue to just, just uh, not just say the words because it's so much more than just saying the words. It's, it's we get underneath the words. What does this mean? What, how, how is this shaping me? How, what is Jesus through this prayer? What is he trying to teach me? And what kind of person, what kind of human is he wanting to form in me? And so um, that's what we're doing. How many people are familiar with the Lord's Prayer? People familiar with the Lord's Prayer, right? Lots of us. How many of you are familiar with the really offensive things that Jesus says before he talks about the Lord's Prayer? That's what we're gonna look at tonight, all right? And let's offend some people, okay? Let's just get offended. Because what Jesus is about to talk about is he's going to warn us um, that we, he's gonna warn us how not to pray first before he teaches us how to pray. And he warns us about how, about we sh that you and I shouldn't learn to pray from two kinds of people. And he warns us, don't learn how to pray from religious hypocrites and spiritual hypocrites. Religious, religious hypocrites and spiritual hypocrites. And so I hope as we talk about hypocrisy tonight, because Jesus is going to talk to us about hypocrisy, I hope that all of us are really offended because all of us need to be offended out of our hypocrisy. Because all of us have this, this thing in us, this hypocrisy that Jesus so wants to root out of us. Um, and here's the good news is um, it's okay that you're offended by hypocrisy. In fact, that might be like the one thing that's caused you to push back against the church in the past. And certainly you've got friends that say church, Christianity, oh my gosh, like no, it's just full of hypocrites, right? You've heard that, it's just full of hypocrites. No, I don't wanna go. Here's the good news is just like you, Jesus had a big problem with hypocrisy. Just like you, Jesus had a big problem with hypocrisy. Anytime I talk to someone and they're like, oh, Christianity is just full of hypocrites. I'm like, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not about that. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Actually, G Jesus felt exactly the same way. And so Jesus was, if you think that you're against hypocrisy and if that bugs you, listen, it bugged Jesus more. Because Jesus talks about, and nobody, listen, listen, nobody railed on hypocrisy like Jesus railed on hypocrisy. Nobody did. Jesus is just so committed to just saying, hey, what, what do we got to do with this, with this weird thing that can slowly just kind of work its way into our lives? And so Jesus is going to warn us about learning to pray from religious hypocrites and spiritual hypocrites. Um, but before we, get, before we get into the text of what Jesus says, we have to define this word religion. Because for some people, this word religion is a dirty word. And for other people, it's a beautiful word. And for other people, they just like don't know what to do with this word religion. Um, when people ask me if I'm religious, I, here's what I find. In the culture that we live in today, when people ask me if I'm religious, here's my answer. I say, well, it depends. That's my answer. It depends. It depends what you mean by religious. And so I'll say, if you mean by, re if I'm religious, that I believe that God created us and he gave us some rules to follow. 
And so our job is to follow those rules to, so that God can figure out whether we've been naughty or nice. And God, God kind of like brought up some, some fun police uh, called ministers and pastors who make sure that everybody is following the rules and making sure that nobody's you know, having too much fun. And, and if we follow the rules good enough and if we're better than other people at following rules, then we'll be the ones that God loves and he'll let us into heaven after we die. If that's what you mean by religious, then no, I'm not religious. If what you mean by religious is that I believe that God created us in his image and he loves us, but our, we decided to rebel, we decided to do our own thing. And so God enacted this rescue mission to come and pursue us and love us. And through his grace, not through our own righteousness, he gives us his righteousness. He, he makes us right because of his goodness. And he did that by dying on the cross for us and rising again. And when he rose again, he gave us his spirit so that we could actually follow him and love him. And because we're so, so incredibly blessed and amazed by this incredible grace that he's given us, then we get to trust him. We get to follow him. We get to reorganize our lives around him. And yes, it does require self-sacrifice. It requires self-denial. But because his grace is so good, why would I not want to organize my whole life around his goodness and his greatness? And someday he's going to come back and make all things right. And we get to rule and reign with him forever. If that's what you mean by religious, then yes, yes. And I find that it's really, really important that we help, uh, help uh, define what that, what that word means because I think a lot of people, they look at Christians and they say, oh, it's just them bunch of religious people. And they assume that we believe that first narrative when we absolutely do not believe that first narrative because Jesus didn't believe that first narrative. Now, our, our story is completely different as we follow Jesus. And so um, Jesus would rail on empty religion. He would, he would focus on just the emptiness and, the, and the, the, the hardness of empty religion. And when you read the New Testament, you see Jesus just arguing with the Pharisees. They were the most religious people of their day, but it was, it was outward focused. There wasn't this inward transformation and Jesus was always pointing them to the heart, to the heart, to the heart. So listen, if, you, if we were to believe, if we actually believe that our goodness and you know, whether God loves us had to do with our own effort and our own righteousness, and we believe you know, that we have a really good scorecard and everybody else that doesn't behave like us has a really bad scorecard, and so we just look down our noses at everyone that isn't good like us. If that's what we really believe as in Christianity, that would be wrong, and that would be more than wrong. That would be ugly. It's actually one of the things that's wrong with the world is that self-righteousness. And thankfully, Jesus didn't call us to do that. And so if my view is that my righteousness is the thing that makes me good, well, then when I mess up, when I sin, yeah, I'm a, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. But Christians, we have a different narrative. Our whole thing is that we believe that we are sinners and that we need God's grace. And so when a Christian sins, it's not hypocrisy. It's just being consistent with what we believe. It's like, no, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. And that isn't an excuse to just go sinning because we're, but it, it just, it means that, it, here's what it means. It means that when I follow Jesus, I surrender my life to him. Now, now it's not just, you know, me just trying to be good. And if I'm not good, then I'm self, then I'm, then I'm a hypocrite. No, here's what it means is I'm submitting my life to him and I'm going to stumble and fall a lot as I do it. But it's because I'm a hypocrite in recovery. I'm a hypocrite in recovery. I hope you're a hypocrite in recovery. Through the power and grace of Jesus, 
I pray that all of us, we, we become hypocrites in recovery. That every time we sniff out hypocrisy in our lives that we just say, Lord, help me, get it out of me. I don't want that in me. I wanna, I, wanna, I, wanna be, I, wanna, I wanna follow you with my whole life. And so he's gonna be revealing that kind of stuff in us over and over again. And if you just have eyes to see it and you say, Lord, this is kind of what the word repentance means is, Lord, I, I wanna follow you with my whole heart. Would you help me see areas where I'm not doing that well? And he will be faithful to do it. That's a hypocrite in recovery. That's what Jesus is calling us to. Um, so I'm gonna read it, Matthew. Then this is, I'm not reading the Lord's Prayer yet. Um, we're, we're inching up to the Lord's Prayer. This is the offensive stuff that Jesus says before he gets to the Lord's Prayer. Let's read it. It starts um, Matthew chapter six, verses one through eight. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. And I, I love that because it just makes me laugh because I just picture like somebody giving money here at the church, like, um, you know, uh, like Mike, you're giving money at the church and, and just, you know, you like pull out a little horn, you know, like, hey, everybody, just so you know, I'm putting some money into the pot for the church. You know what I mean? Like how, how funny, how ridiculous would that be, right? And of course it's ridiculous, but it's at the same time, it's reading our mail in a little bit because these are kind of like how our hearts are wired. It's, that's why Jesus is saying, hey, watch out, be very careful. And so he says, you know, it's not about for others. He says, here's what you do. Truly I tell you um, that for the people that do that, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And we could spend some time in there because there's, you know, some really, there's some cultural things that Jesus is pulling out there. Like there's a, you know, like sayings they would have, they would have had at the time. It's hard to understand what he's saying, but he, you get the idea. He's saying, yeah, it's not about the show. It's not about what people see. It's about what the Lord sees. It's about the heart. And then he goes on. And when you pray, which I love that because he's assuming that we will pray when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, this is really confusing and deceptive because it goes against what we would normally think. Because what we would normally think is we would look at somebody who's praying and we would see that they are praying for quite a long time. We, we would look at somebody and say, wow, they've been praying for like an hour. And when they pray, they use big words like beseech and hallelujah. And they have a Southern accent when they pray. And and they, they're like, they seem to like know what they're doing. And so we would assume that they're varsity. We would say, God, they're varsity, right? Because man, look at how they pray. It's amazing. And God would say, ah, not really. It depends. Uh, no, not necessarily. Like we would look at, you know, we look at somebody that, that prays and fasts and they make sure that they get on Instagram and make sure that everybody knows that they pray and fast and read their Bible. And we would look at that and say, and say, wow, they're varsity, right? And it's like, no, not necessarily. 
Not necessarily, because it's not about the outward show. It's not about, it's not about like um, doing it, you know, having all the right words. And, you know, it's, that's all surface, surface stuff. And this is important because Jesus tried to get at this over and over again. And actually, the, all the Bible tries to help us understand this. You can go to the Old Testament, and there's this, there's this one place where it says that, that, that people's lips are close to God, but their hearts are far away. That there's this danger that we could have know all the right things to say. We could have all the Christian behavior and we could, we could have the, the pedigree. We could, we could have all of that. And yet still at the same time, our hearts are far. That's so dangerous. And there's this warning that we just all have to be aware of is that, that one of the places that Satan loves to hide is in religion. Why does Satan like to hide in religion sometimes? Well, it's because it's one of the last places you think to look for him. And C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Screwtape Letters, said this brilliantly. He, he, in The Screwtape Letters, he talks about how Satan, if Satan can't get you to like be rebellious, that's fine. He'll just get you to become more religious. Because a lot of times, if he can just get you to move away from the grace of Jesus just by sinking you down kind of into external, just you know, empty religion, then that'll work better than just making you a rebel. So he'll, go, he'll just go that route. So we have to be so, so careful. Here's a couple things. Here's a couple things that, that this kind of outward focused, empty religiosity, this, this hypocritical religious spirit, here's, here's a couple things that it does for us that we have to be careful of. First is this, is it causes us to care more about our public life than our private life. We care more about how it looks on the outside than what's going on on the inside. And, when, and in a separate conversation that Jesus had with the Pharisees, and this is a crazy conversation Jesus has where he just says, woe to you, you hypocrites. He, Jesus says, you know what you guys are like? And they're like, what? And they're like, you're like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, it looks great, but the inside is filled with dead men's bones. Do you think they were a little offended by that? Yeah, they were. They killed him. That's how offensive they were. That, that, that's how offended they were. I mean, can you believe Jesus' boldness and courage just to speak up to this religious establishment where it was just a, a external, outward, and Jesus says, you're like whitewashed tombs. It's all about the outside for you, but the inside isn't touched. The inside isn't transformed. In fact, the inside just stinketh. It just stinks. It's just rotten and dead. Did I just say stinketh? That was weird. Number two. Religion can cause us to focus on the praise we get now rather than the reward we get later. The religion can cause us to focus on the praise we can get now rather than the, than the reward we get later. We don't pray for the reward, but what, what religion tends to do is just have us focus on what kind of perk can I get now? What's the payoff for me now? It's about wowing people rather than worshiping God. It's about wowing people rather than worshiping God. And a couple times in this passage, Jesus says, you know what, if, you, if, you, if that's how you want to approach me, if it's about kind of like what you can get now rather than, rather than just letting the Lord come alongside and, and bless that in his time, he goes, then, then you've received your reward in full. He says, everybody that just shouts out on the street like, hey, I'm praying over here. Look at this. I'm super holy. I'm so varsity. You're, you're JV, but I'm varsity. And maybe there might be some people that say, wow, look, at that's amazing. Jesus says, if that's what you want to do, that's going to be your reward. It's going to last really short. Next thing is this, is religion 
empty, this empty religion is about what I can get from God instead of just getting God. It's about what I can get from him rather than just getting him. Um, this kind of religion is where God is the pinata and religion is the stick. What can I get from him? See, this is the whole point of the book of Job. When you go to the Old Testament, you go to the book of Job, what's the setup? It's this kind of crazy, crazy situation, the story where Satan looks at Job and he's like, hey God, see your guy Job here? I'll tell you why he worships you. It's because you give him stuff. He's just worshiping you because of what you give him. And if I take all that away, he won't worship you because he's, he's worshiping you because of what you give him. Not, he's not worshiping you. And Jesus says, or not, not Jesus, God says, bring it on, <laughs> bring it on. Let's see what happens. It's an interesting story, fascinating story. You can read about what happens in the book of Job, but this is what we often do. We love God for the community he gives us. We love him for the, the, the peace that he gives us. We love him for the, for, the, for the joy and the security that he gives us. And all those things are wonderful, but we have to be very careful that we're not worshiping him just for the things that he gives us. And I really believe that 2020 kind of caused... <laughs> some of that to just crumble to the ground for many people. Because now it's like, God, what, what I, wait, I was worshiping you. Like, what, how come this is all happening? How come this happened? How come this happened? How come this happened? Well, God, if, if, if you're not gonna bless me and, and give, you know, give me all the good stuff that I had before, well, then I'm not gonna follow you anymore. And that's what suffering can do sometimes. It's like the refiner's fire. It shows us kind of like what's underneath. And so Jesus is warning us and warning these, these people there that he's with. He's saying, hey, be careful, be careful, because we don't want to be re- just this empty religiosity. So he warns us about religious people, and then he's about to warn us about vaguely spiritual people, <laughs> spiritual hypocrites. Um, and if religion is like a, if you, can, if you can classify religion kind of like a box lunch, like a Lunchables, you know, it's like everything's in its own little thing, then like spirituality would be like a salad bar. You know, it's like, I'll take this and I'll take this and I'll take this and like, this works for me. Oh, this doesn't work for me. Uh, but, oh, but this works for me. You know, that's kind of like what a picture of kind of vague spirituality is all about. And Jesus goes on. He says, don't pray like the religious hypocrites. But then he says this, listen to what he says. He goes on in verses, verse seven. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. And so that's, it's confusing because p- uh, pagans would just be a word for the kind of like just the everyday Joe kind of vaguely spiritual person that's kind of walking around just following this God and this God and this God. He says, hey, don't, don't, don't keep on babbling like the pagans for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Um, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, parents in the room. If you're a parent in the room, here's what you, here's what you know is that you often, you often tend to know what your kids need before they ask you, right? Parents often, parents often know what their kids need. So, you know, like your kid comes to you and they're like, whoa, bro, you're kind of doing like, you're crossing your legs doing like a little dance there. I see. Um, it seems like you have to go potty, right? No, you know. <laughs> No, I think you have to go potty, actually. Yes, I think it's time. Or, uh, or, hey, buddy, you're acting a little bit tired. I think you need a nap. No, I don't want a nap. Oh, I, I think you need a nap, actually. That's exactly what you need. Or, hey, buddy, you are kind of acting a little bit hangry right now. I think you need some food in your belly. Let's get you some food. No, you know. 
Or, uh, hey, you know, I mean, parents often, often know kind of what their kids need before they ask. And what this is saying isn't that we shouldn't ask the Lord for things because he already knows. And sometimes people think like, have you ever wondered, like, why am I asking for anything if he already knows? It's, it's just kind of, what's the point? Well, the point isn't that you're giving him information about what you need. He already knows. The point is that you're, you're invi- it's an invitation. It's not information. It's an invitation into relationship. And I often know what my kids need before they ask me, but you know what I love? I love being asked by my kids for things. I mean, not all the time. I mean, sometimes it's very, uh, it's very inconvenient when they ask for things, right? But there's something about that relationship that's, that's a beautiful thing. I love it when they go, Dad, Dad, can we do this? Dad, can I ride on your shoulders? Dad, can we go here? Can we do this? I love that. That's relationship. And so we're not giving God information about our needs. He's a good father. He knows what we need. And so when we're asking him for things, we're inviting him in. It's a relationship. It's personal. It's personal. And this is the thing that vague spirituality misses completely. Because vague spirituality isn't about getting to know God or letting God get to know you. It's about you getting to know yourself. It's about you looking deep within and knowing yourself. Where do we live, everybody? We live in Eugene, a very spiritual place. I remember the first time I went to uh, the Saturday market. You guys remember the first time you went to Saturday market? I remember I just moved here, I was in college. I was like, I heard about the Saturday market. I'll go to the Saturday market. And I show up to the Saturday market and I was like, whoa, this is wild. I mean, people are like selling crystals. And, you know, I remember, I remember right in the middle of Saturday market, they had this person who was doing this like audio therapy thing where they were like, had this gigantic horn. It kind of looked like a horn from like a, in a Dr. Seuss book. You know, this is what it looked like. It was like a really long horn. And this person was sitting there and this person, it was like a didgeridoo. It was kind of, that's the noise that it made. And like, they were like, and the, they would take the horn and they brought it right up against the person's face like this. And then it was like, just like, just like, just weird sounds, you know, just like the sound waves are going to just align this person's chakra, you know? And I was looking back at the whole thing like, whoa, this is strange. Uh, have you been to the country fair, anybody? Yeah, I mean, like, so this, is, this is the place that we live in. It's in the, the, our culture here in Eugene is if you tell someone that you're a Christian, they'll look at you very suspiciously. If you tell someone here in Eugene that you're a spiritual person, they'll probably hand you a joint and slap you on the back and give you some mushrooms, right? That's what they'll do. They'll be like, hey, yeah, you're my people, you know? This is the culture that we have in Eugene. If you're a Christian, like, oh my gosh, that's bad. If you're spiritual, oh, welcome to the party, you know? But there's just a, there's, there's a, there's, Jesus is warning us about just kind of this vague spirituality, you know, this kind of like, hey, just, just do what works for you. Because see, listen, we, the, that as that part of our city, that's the kind of like the vague spirituality part, they look at what we believe and they say, they say, um, you know, that's religion. Oh, that's just, that's just religion. We're not into religion. But the problem is, is the viewpoint, the worldview that just do what works for you, that's a religion too, that's a religion. That's a, that's a, that's a faith-based idea of what ultimate reality is, is based on. And so if I, ask, if I ask someone like, hey, what's your religion about? They're like, well, if you nuzzle up against these crystals, it's going to align your chakra to the, to the vortex in the universe, and you're going to start to feel very vortexy. And that's my religion. And I would say, or, you know, that's what I believe. It's not a religion. It's just what I believe. And I would say, gosh, that sounds an awful lot like a religion. <laughs> That sounds an awful lot that you're putting a lot of hope and that this is going to be the thing that you need. 
And so Jesus says, be careful, be careful that what we don't want to lean into is just rigid, empty religiosity. He says, no, 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 that's hypocritical. That'll just leave you dry and empty. But also, he says, don't, don't go the other direction too, where it's just like, hey, whatever you want to do, you know, whatever works for you, because that's, that's going to create hypocrisy too. That's not going to go deep enough. That's not going to get to the heart. Jesus is all about getting us to the heart. He says this, he says, um, he says, uh, I, I read just a second ago that the verse that said, um, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, but uh, your version might say this. It might say, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the pagans, heap up empty phrases. I, I like that one better because I think sometimes when we pray, we can tend to do this. We can, when we pray as Christians, we can tend to just kind of like throw words in there that we think we're supposed to pray that, uh, you know, and that that's somehow gonna like elevate our prayers. And so let's just take a second, just cause I've, I've got, well, we got nothing else to do, all right? Um, Let's just take a second and, uh, and let's identify maybe a couple things. We can laugh at ourselves, okay? Because one of our values, see, religious people take themselves very seriously. And at our church, we don't take ourselves very seriously, but we take Jesus really seriously. So we, can take, we don't have to take ourselves so seriously. What are some things that like sometimes that you've prayed or Christians pray that is just like, it's just like a phrases that we use that just don't make any sense at all, but we just say them in our prayers just because we, we've heard other people say them. Anybody got one? Just, just toss it out. Oh, just like Jesus, just, maybe just saying the name over and over again. Or uh, Lord God is my favorite one. Like, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. It's like, man, you're Lord Godding me to death with this prayer. Yeah. Okay, what, what else? What else? Oh, this is good. I don't know where this is going to go, but it's going to be exciting. Oh, man. Anybody else got one? Come on, help me out. You know, just Christian culture. Come on, you grew up and, you know, for some of you, like, you're, we're deeply steeped in this, so we can laugh at our jokes. What Say what? Savior? Savior? What do you mean by that? Just like... Oh, just, just over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, here's, here's one that I like. It's um, sometimes we say, I just pray for a hedge of protection. The hedge of protection. I have never understood this one. Have you ever, I, I, don't, I know there's probably like some scripture reference, but I just, it makes me laugh every time because I'm like, I've never seen a hedge protect anything. Like when is foliage ever like the strategy for protection? I've just never understood, like, I'm just gonna, we're gonna put a hedge here and we're gonna be protected. Here's another one that I love. This one gets me every time. Uh, bless this food to our body or the nourishment of our body. I love when people pray this one because I think it ha this prayer has less to do with God, with, you know, with God nourishing the food to your body and it has more to do with your dietary choice. Right, right? Because if you're eating broccoli, if you're eating broccoli and you pray, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of my body, I feel like God's going like, yeah, that's why I made it. It's broccoli. It's gonna do it, whether you pray the prayer or not. If you're eating a churro, God's like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to, I'm not going to nourish your body with the churro. It's fried dough and sugar, all right? It will hurt your body. Do not pray that prayer, all right? There's just some funny things that we pray, you know, and just slides its way in. Listen, the point is this, is Jesus says, be careful when you pray. Don't, here's, here's what he says. Don't learn to pray from, from religious, empty religion, religious hip, hypocrisy. Don't, don't. And don't learn to pray from just, just from, from this hypocritical, just kind of vague spirituality. No, that's not the way to do it either. Jesus is about to lead us to a place where he says, you don't want to learn, do you want to learn how to pray? Kids know how to pray. We learn from kids how to pray because Jesus is about to teach us how to pray. And what's the very first line from the, from the prayer? It's our Father. 
our Father. Kids understand this. Kids ask for things constantly, and they're not very formal about it. Kids will just come up to you at the worst times and say, I want this, I want this, can I have this? Kids get this perfectly. Jesus is about to teach us with this Lord's Prayer that if we want to learn how to pray, then we should look at kids. Because here's God's kind of stance with us. And I'm closing, and Ben, come on up, because I do want us to respond tonight. And Ben, as you're coming up, um, you know, my kids, my kids ask me for stuff all the time. They come to me. And um, what, if, what if one of my kids came up to me and what if, what if Dawson, he's four, what if Dawson came up to, to me and he said, Dad, hey, can I talk to you? Um, I'm hoping that we could go to, to the river this weekend. And what if I said, oh, stop. You didn't address me correctly. You didn't say the right words. You need to go change your clothes before you come back here. You need to get the right hairdo. You need to, you need to get this right. What if, I was, what if I was a dad like that? That's a bad dad. I've got a picture here. We were, we were down in Elkton a couple weekends ago and Noelle, that's Noelle, she's two. Um, she got stung by her first bee, right? <laughs> right? It was sad. She didn't know what was going on. And she cried for a long time. And you know, I mean, everything's fine. I, although it's her first time getting stung by a bee. So we're like, okay, is she swelling up? Like, you know, it's like, do we need to be worried here? And she just sniffled and cried for a long time. And what if she came running up to us with this bee sting and we're like, stop, approach us correctly, please. You have to, you know, you have to use the right approach. No, you have to say the right words. You have to say this and do this. And then if you do that, then we'll come and, we'll come and comfort you. What if we did that? No. So here's what, here's what, a, good, here's what a good parent does. A good parent. How can I help? See, a good parent makes it easy for the kid to come talk to them and a good parent makes it easy for the kid to understand the parent. We, a good parent gets on their level and says, what do you need? I'm here. Do you need a hug? Come on. And this is exactly the father heart of God that hypocritical religion doesn't get. Hypocritical, vague spirituality doesn't get. It's this personal, intimate, Father, who's so good, who says, you don't have to have the right words to come to me. You don't have to have a special accent when you pray. You don't have to do all these special, no, no, no. I'm a good father. I'm gonna come to you. I'm gonna make it easy for you to talk to me. And I'm gonna talk to you in ways that you can understand. See, this is what Jesus did. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, the incarnation, God coming and becoming like us so that we could see him and so that we could know him so that we could have relationship with him. That's who God is. And so next week, we're gonna start into the Lord's Prayer. But tonight I want us to respond because we're not gonna understand the Lord's Prayer unless we understand the Father heart of God. He wants to meet you. He wants to come right into whatever your experience is right now. He loves you. He's gonna, he wants to make it easy for him to come to you and you to come to him. So could we come to him tonight? We're gonna sing. And we've got communion on either side of the stage. It's just this juice, it represents his blood that was poured out for us. This, cup, this, this cracker that's, that's in, in, in the little cup there and it represents his body that was broken for us. Would you come to the table tonight? 
Would you let him root out any hypocrisy that might be hiding away in you? Would, you, would we have the courage to say, Lord, make us new, transform me. If, if, if hypocrisy in the church has been the thing that's kept you away, maybe tonight you would come with just a fresh heart of saying, Lord, if that's what you're about, then I wanna follow you. I wanna make you Lord and King of my life. Father, we just respond, we worship you, and we sing these songs and we take communion and we just open up, raise our hands and we open up our lungs and just cry out to you because you are so good. And you've gotten down on your knees so that you could have a relationship with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And out of response to that, we worship you. We worship you. In Jesus' name.